listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL Show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. We're free and available on all platforms, now including YouTube. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Win, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette and host of Game Over Montreal on the SDPN. You can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Tuesday edition of the Crosscheck, the Rangers have had an excellent season, but are they contenders or pretenders in a tough Eastern Conference? Next, Carey Price has officially spoken to the media for the first time since the Stanley Cup final and had a lot of really interesting things to say. And finally, the Oilers seem to be rebounding from a miserable stretch of play. So, Andrew, before you start off today's show, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Obviously, a back-to-back Montreal games this weekend, so I didn't have much time to enjoy my evenings because it's not enjoyable to watch Montreal Canadiens games right now. But I had a fun time doing the shows, two good shows with uh, good people. But overall, a bit of a hectic weekend. Had a lot of fun yesterday because it was uh, one of the one of Dylan's neighborhood friends birthday is so we all went to the park and played in the snow for an hour and a bit. And that was really fun. Cause it was one of the few days in January that wasn't like crazily bitter cold. We still bundled pretty well because we were going to be playing in the snow and outside for a while. And after a while, miles just started coming up to us and going too cold, too Aww. cold. <laughs> so he had to go home a little bit earlier, but uh, Dylan had an absolute blast. And it's always fun to play with kids in the snow because mm-hmm. it's just balls to the wall. You're going to go. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds awesome. Uh, sad you didn't have like a super relaxing weekend because I know it's about to get super busy for you. It's going to get busy for both of us, but you especially because you're you're going to have weird hours. Uh, so I'm I'm not looking forward to very sleepy Andrew Berkshire on the show after uh, Olympics madness, which is what we're creeping up on because that's this week guys the olympics are this week and we're still gonna cover the nhl but we're also gonna cover the olympics too so there'll be at least more stuff to talk about which is gonna be a lot of fun Uh, i'm i have no idea what the mix is going to be between nhl talk and olympics talk but you know that's kind of what you get when both are happening at the same time but i had a good weekend uh football was bananas uh on sunday um so I too am shifting my schedule around a little bit because of the Olympics. Uh, so yeah, uh, everything else is good though. Uh, got to watch a really good movie, which I'll talk about in our pop culture segment, which took me forever to get to, but I'm really excited to talk about it. I don't know if you've seen the film that is in the do- bottom of the dock, Andrew. I have. But, all right, awesome. So I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, but first of all, we have to go through the hockey news. Um, and the big one I wanted to talk about first off, Uh, is the New York Rangers, who we haven't really given much like the Penguins, mostly because I think there's been a lot of stuff happening in the NHL, like extracurriculars and all that stuff. So we haven't really like focused in on, I guess, the good teams. Uh, And the Rangers have actually been really good this season. Um, As of Monday, they were second in the Metro with 62 points in 46 games at 29-13-4. Panarin, Fox, Kreider, and Zibanejad are all putting up the points. Uh, And they've been a steady force at the top of the Metro and the East, especially because the East is we've talked about it before. The East is basically all but locked up in terms of the playoff spots. 
Um, and the Rangers have been holding their own. And I don't think many people expected them to be this good. Uh, and I think what we're going to debate here, Andrew, is if they are actually this good or, you know, are they kind of pretending a little bit in a very tough Eastern Conference. Um, but the biggest thing for the Rangers, though, has been Igor Shosturkin has been not only a Vesna candidate, but a heart candidate with a 936 save percentage in 27 games. So he has, he's been the heart and soul of this Rangers team this year. Uh, and they're getting absolutely otherworldly goaltending from Shosturkin. And it has been, it's been really awesome to watch, but I, I think maybe the big question is, is it sustainable? But do you have any thoughts, Andrew, as we you know dive into this topic? Oh, I have many thoughts about the New York Rangers. I think right. my first thought is I've seen this play out before. I've seen this team before. And I think they have a little bit more high-end like talent at the top than the other team that I'm thinking of here. But this team reminds me very strongly of the 2014 Montreal Canadiens. Now, that team made the Eastern Conference final and was eliminated by the Rangers after Chris Kreider destroyed Carey Price's knee. But Igor Shosturkin is putting up a arguably heart trophy season. And the Rangers, overwhelmingly, if you look at how they're playing, are not that good. Uh, they are 21st in the league in all situations, expected goals for percentage, which is nowhere close to being one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, which is full of powerhouse teams. And not only are they getting spectacular goaltending, they're also posting one of the highest shooting percentages in the entire league. And that can have some level of influence based on like, if you have a lot of elite talent, but I don't think anybody actually believes that the Rangers have like the third or fourth most talented forward group in the NHL. Like that's just not who they are. So they're getting excessively lucky. Now they aren't the biggest paper tiger in the NHL. That uh, award belongs to the St. Louis blues, but the blues are also playing mostly Western conference teams, which are a lot weaker than the Eastern conference teams. So like their level of luck makes more sense because they're playing a lower level of competition. I think the New York Rangers are going to get a very, very rude wake up call. Once the playoff playoffs begin, now they could still win around. Like I said, the 2014 Montreal Canadians won two rounds. They probably should have won a third round because that Rangers team also wasn't that great. But you know, Carey price got taken out in game one. Still went to six games with Dustin Tokarski, which tells you a lot about that Rangers team. So there's a possibility they still have playoff success. You know, the NHL is very random, but in terms of sustained success, I'm not seeing it. The only thing is that the Rangers are a weird team because almost all of their success coming out of this rebuild is come from like not really homegrown talent. So if guys like Capocacco and uh, Lafreniere take a big step next year, even though the success doesn't look sustainable this year, they could be this good next year for real. So it's like, you're not exactly sounding alarm bells, but I don't think they're a contender yet at all. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, Capo Calco and Alexis Lafreniere, that they, they really haven't been the, they haven't broken out in a way many kind of thought they would, uh, the Rangers have, like I said, been, you know, really, you know, shining because of, you know, Panarin, Adam Fox, uh, those 
players that, and I mean, some of them they've had for a while, like Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, who have been on the team for a very long time, but like, they're not really like being bolstered by their young kids. It's, I mean, besides Adam Fox, but Adam Fox wasn't homegrown. He chose to go to New York. Um, so yeah, what a lucky situation. I know, I know, right? And, I mean. The, the Rangers really went from that, you know, re, uh, rebuild letter uh, to, you know, being one of the best teams in the East, um, just at least, you know, by points, um, just because of a handful of players decided they want to go to they wanted to go to New York because New York is such a big selling point um, as a destination. I mean, we can debate the merits of New York as a, you know, living city, I think, another time. I like New York personally, but I don't think I would want to live there. There's just, it's too loud all the time. I mean, I lived in a city for a little bit. I lived in Chicago for a little bit, but that was perfectly fine. But New York is just, I think, on another level of, you know, busy and loud. Um, but it appeals to a lot of people, especially to hockey players. There, I mean, it, it's a big market and it... You know, there's a lot of opportunities for, you know, stardom and, you know, big advertisements and stuff like that. So I get why the Rangers attracted these guys, but their homegrown talent in Kako and Lafreniere haven't done a lot this season. Kako has 14 points in 37 games, only five goals. Lafreniere has 12 points in 44 games uh, and only and nine goals. Um I, I, I can't help but wonder if I mean it's still early in their careers, um, but I can't help but wonder if they will be as good as we kind of thought they would be uh, coming into their careers. But I, I, it's probably still too early to tell if I had to guess. And the bottom hasn't fallen out of the Rangers, so they haven't needed them to be the guys to count on kind of like how the Oilers counted on McDavid and Drysaddle basically ran out of the hop essentially. So, yeah, I, I mean, there's two ways to look at it really is that they have disappointed early. And also you could look at it as they haven't been relied upon to do the heavy lifting early. So they have the insulation to become their best selves without the pressure applied on them. Now, it's not that they're facing no pressure. I mean, there's every time there's a scoring slump, people are still going to talk about you. But with Artemi Panarin there and Mika Zibanejad there, there's other players to score and win games for you while you're struggling as a young player. So I think the main question for those two players is going to be like, were they put into the NHL too soon? Mm. Right. And I, I find that is often a very disingenuous line of questioning because it kind of people always like to point at the American hockey league and say like, Oh, well, look, this guy stayed in the American hockey league for an extra amount of time. And now they had a fantastic NHL career and completely ignore the hundreds of players that go to the American hockey league and never have an NHL career. Right. Whereas there's like a handful of players that go into the NHL and struggle very early in their career. Maybe, maybe they never reached the potential that they were supposed to make to, to make it to, but like, a lot of players do. <laughs> so it's it, that a lot of that to me is like hindsight is 2020. 20, and there's a lot of confirmation bias about what the best development route is for a player. But I think that those players are in a relatively decent situation, but we haven't seen what we expect from them yet. Yeah, And, and the, the Rangers will need that in order to be a cup contending team. Yeah. And this isn't a new phenomenon either. I mean, not every, 
player that, you know, makes their first foray into the NHL can be, you know, the Connor McDavid's, the Austin Matthews. Uh, I mean, look at New Jersey, who has Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. I mean, I think they're they Jack Hughes is, I think, younger and Heischer is obviously older because he was the in the Nolan Patrick draft. Uh, but uh, Kako and Lafreniere are 20 years old. Um there's still a lot of room for them to grow, uh, but I think they will need to be an impact on this Rangers team if they, you know, want to, you know, win rounds and not just one round, but multiple rounds. Um, I had a question, though, which was, do you think that the bottom could fall out of the Rangers? Like, do you think that their luck could just instantly dissipate? Um, Shesterkin, I don't know, turns into a pumpkin for some reason, and the bottom falls out. Do you do you think that like I, that's a worst case scenario? But do you think there's like I just mentioned earlier how the East is all but locked up? But do you think that there's any chance in the world that the Rangers fall off in the second half of the season and it kind of opens a little bit of a window for say I don't know the Islanders who have the most to gain because they have so few games played still is there is there any realm of possibility that that happens or are the Rangers pretty safe here I think the Rangers are pretty safe they are geez almost 30 points up on the Islanders that's such that's such a big gap I mean even on Columbus who's the next closest they're 21 points up that that's just too big of a gap. I think that the wheels could completely fall off for the Rangers and they would still make the playoffs. I do expect them to fall to fourth in the division mm-hmm. for the Metropolitan or into the wild card spot, but I think they're like they've done the work to get into the playoffs already. The East is so set in stone at this point. It's uh it it would have to be the most spectacular collapse in NHL history for them to to miss the playoffs. And like that's how bad it would have to be. And they don't feel like a team that could like collapse completely. Who's their coach? No. Is it Gerard Gallant? Am I like making that up? Yes, it okay. is Gerard Gallant. And okay. the thing is, like, they are not great, but they're also not terrible, right? Yeah. Like twenty first in the league is solidly mid tier, and a mid tier NHL team making the playoffs is not unheard of. It's not even uncommon. Uh, in this Eastern Conference, it's a little bit surprising, but it, I mean, the door was open to them by the Islanders being terrible and the red hot power play situation that they have. Like, you know, Chris Kreider already has 15 power play goals this year. Yeah, it's a lot. It- like we're halfway through the year and over the last 10 seasons, only 25 players have scored more than that over a full year. That's a lot of goals, Andrew. That's a lot of power play goals. Yeah, they're really, I mean, they are in parts getting lucky, uh, but they have, they don't have like the deepest forward core, but they have a lot of names that will surprise you and put up points. Um, I mean, especially, I think, I mean, Chris Kreider at 30 is, you know, has 31 goals this season. You said like, what, 15 on the power play? Like, I mean, I know 30 isn't, you know, at the end of the road for NHL players, but like, you know, it's, it's still, I don't know. It's, it's nice to see them succeeding and having such a quick turnaround from their rebuild. Yes, they got lucky, but um, they're at least a fun team to watch at least more fun than any Rangers teams, uh, the Rangers teams before them, basically. So uh, I, I think a regression is probably likely, but it, it is kind of a shame that the East is all but locked up. Like there, there's nothing really. There's no playoff race to speak of. I, I was hoping that maybe you'd be like, oh, there's a chance that they'll, you know, drop off. But sadly, reality is what it is, and the East is all but locked up, and it's you know, 
February 1st, basically. So we are, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's a shame, but I guess that means the Western conference, you know, has, will have more to show us, but it is, I think it's just because this year overall has just been weird with, you know, COVID and the little break, like the extended holiday break we took and just, oh, just, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a weird year, but good on the Rangers for being lucky and also just capitalizing on, you know, teams like the Islanders, you know, completely bottoming out in a way that we weren't expecting. Uh, but the Islanders have also been playing better recently, which is, I guess, a good sign. I mean, so. low bar, low bar on that. I line. know, but like, I know I, I swore I heard from like a small section of fans to fire Barry Trotz. I'm like, guys, come on. No, I, some, sometimes you just get unlucky with the draw. Uh, and I think that's kind of what happened. Sometimes you start off with a 13 straight game road trip. It's just been funky. Yeah, it's just been really funky for a lot of teams this year. And a 13 straight road trip uh, because of the the arena situation is is not normal uh, and not, you know, and isn't wasn't really in their control. So I kind of don't blame them. It's it is what it is, I think, at this point. But we're going to move on from there. And uh, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about Carrie Price, who spoke to the media for the first time uh, in months, basically, I think, since the Stanley Cup final. Um, so it was a really nice update from him. But we will get to that right after this. There might be less football being played, but Bet Online has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fired head coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. And it's not just football either. BetOnline's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Andrew, I'm sure you have some thoughts and uh, opinions on this, uh, considering this is a Canadian's topic. Uh, but I, I know we were all, we, we've talked about Harry Price uh, before. Uh, when he had gotten out of the uh, player substance abuse program um, and was had joined the team again. Um, so he's finally spoken to the media and he reiterates that he intends to play this season, uh, which is really nice to hear. And the, you know, the quotes and stuff were all really, I don't know. It was, it was heartwarming. Basically there's been a lot of bad hockey news, uh, in the last handful of weeks to months. Uh, but, you know, it's nice to hear from Carey Price again. Um, and it was really nice um, that he, he, I don't know, he was in a very reflective mood, it seemed. And it just was a very nice, you know, it was just nice to hear from him, I think. And I don't know if you have any other thoughts other than that it was really nice when we can go into the stuff he said. But, he, you know, it. you never want to see what happened to Carey Price. You know, he voluntarily admitted himself to the player substance abuse program. I don't know, a couple months ago at the start of the season before the start of the season. Yeah, it was right before, happened. right before training camp, essentially. Yeah. And then was there for a, a month, 30 I think days, it was 30 days. Yeah. Um, and it's just a tough situation. And it seems like he's come out of it, you know, feeling better, looking better, all that type of stuff. So what do you think, Andrew? 
Yeah, I think there there's like a combination of emotions uh, watching that press conference. Press conference. I thought that it's like it's happy to see him seemingly happy. Um, he reiterated like very strongly that he doesn't want to leave Montreal. It, like continually pointed out that his family is settled here, that this is their home, and that uh, the intention is to play for the Montreal Canadiens and. I think that's encouraging for a lot of Canadians fans because even if they are going through a rebuild, having some level of continuity through it matters, especially for from leadership purposes. And we know that Price is a leader in that room. And the fact that he still intends to play this season is good. There's still half a season left for Montreal. At the same time, the fact that he was asked if the injury might prevent him from ever playing again. And he was hesitant about that was very like uh, surprising. And like, I I wouldn't say upsetting, but kind of sad, right? Because yeah, price Arpen Basu from the athletic pointed this out. I think he first published the column last night, but uh, I saw it this morning. And he was saying that basically every major accomplishment in Price's life has been followed up by a major physical problem, uh, a major physical injury. When he won the gold medal in the Olympics, he was injured, came back. He went to the uh, conference final, was injured by Chris Kreider that same year. And like for a long stretch, every single season he was ending the season injured. It's been a huge physical toll that, he's taken over his time in the NHL. And at a certain point you wonder like, when's it going to stop and when's going to be the time that he can no longer come back from it. And it's clear like that's in his mind as well. Now that is just, I think him being realistic that at a certain point injuries will keep him from playing, but it's also probably unlikely that this is going to be the one because it was a, as surgeries go, a relatively minor surgery on his knee. It's just like rehab has not gone super well because he has, you know, he had to do the player assistance program thing that slowed down his rehab. Then he came out of it, started rehab, COVID protocols came, took him out of rehab. So now he's had to like start the protocol over. And it's just like an on and on and on this continuation. And I've seen a lot of speculation before this news conference where like, oh, well, this is a minor surgery and why isn't Price playing yet? Any other player be playing yet? Something else is going on. Not necessarily. And, you know, I was kind of getting into it a little bit with a colleague that I won't name because they were saying like, oh, yeah, such and such got this similar surgery and they were back playing tennis in like a month. I was like, I'm sorry, but like this is a professional athlete. It's very different than playing casual tennis, right? You have to be the knee has to not only be ready to function as a goaltender where there's a lot of stress on that knee, but also ready to take a guy like Chris Kreider running you (laughs) who weighs 240 pounds, you know, coming in with velocity at full speed. Like you have to be confident in that appendage not breaking down on you. And clearly up to this point, it hasn't been like they cannot clear him. So he has to go through this process. He has to get back to a point where he isn't worried that he's going to be debilitated by a run of the mill play in the NHL for the rest of his life. He's had this time with his children to reflect on the things that he's missed by being an NHL player. Like you look at some of the things that Price's 
posted on Instagram, which he very rarely posts things once in a while, but it's all about his kids and how he's enjoyed having this time with them and going ice fishing with them and teaching them things about the outdoors because that's how he grew up. And it's it's very adorable. And at the same time, you realize, yes, these players make a lot of money. And we talk about the physical toll and how like it's not focused off focused enough on in media in general, like the debilitating injuries that a lot of these players leave the game with. And we talk about mental health, but also just how much of your family that you miss by being on the road half of every year. Like my perspective changed when I became a father, like it's weird to think about it, but like my dad, when I was growing up, he was like one touch below full on workaholic. Right. And I would never say that my dad uh, didn't spend all the time with us that he could, but the way that he was raised was very much like support the family, do everything to make your family life better. And that's through working. Right. And he made sacrifices. There were times where he would work on Christmas. Right. And as I grew up, my, thing being raised in a similar way was like, I'm going to be the hardest worker. Every job that I do, I'm going to be the hardest worker. And like my first job ever was at Canadian tire, which for American listeners is like home Depot, but it's just Canada. So I got the reputation of being such a hard worker and so diligent that there were customers that would just go to customer service when they walked in the door and have them page me so that I could do stuff for them instead of dealing with other people, which is like, it make it like fills you with pride. Right. And I was always like that when I worked at uh, Habs eyes and the prize, I built that website from 80,000 page views a month to like one and a half million a month, just by always being on, I was working 12 to 16 hour days, seven days a week. Cause of that, I gained a huge amount of weight because I was just eating junk all day, sitting, doing no exercise at all. And I sacrificed and that pushed me into the industry. But now that I'm a father and I see like I've had different offers and I was like talking to people and like, oh, yeah, would you want to be a beat reporter? And I'm like, you know, not really, because if I'm a beat reporter and I'm going to games all the time, especially if it was involving travel, I'm missing some of the only times a day where I get to see my kids right between four and eight p.m. pretty much. It's like, that's the time during the week that I get to hang out with my kids outside of the morning. So the idea of sacrificing at least half of that time to like progress my career in a very small way to me is not interesting. So I see that the way that Carey Price has had his perspective changed and I have the utmost respect for any decision he makes going forward because I understand that completely. Yeah, I mean, I cannot relate as I do not have kids. My cat does not count. Uh, but there are things bigger than hockey. And I mean, Carrie Price has shown it. You've shown it. We we all know this. There are things bigger than hockey. Um, and it's just, you know, whether he plays or not, you know, I, I hope he's in a good place, you know, physically, mentally with his family. Um, like you said, he seems to have, you know, changed perspectives or at least gained more appreciation for the things around him that's not just related to hockey um and he even you know 
mentioned how thankfully is for all the support this is a quote from price uh i'm reading from friend of the show eric engels uh i'm tremendously grateful for all the support that i've received from not only the fans of the montreal canadians themselves my teammates and obviously my family i've had quite the journey obviously and at the start of this season it would have been a lot more difficult if i hadn't had such a warm sense of encouragement from everyone um and i mean you know it's a very simple statement but, you know, it speaks to a lot of, you know, the type of person Carey Price is, that he's received such a warm encouragement, uh, warm, you know, you know, welcome backs and stuff like that. And, you know, it it really speaks to the type of person you are when people act that way around you. Um, but it's just, you know, it is a feel-good story. It really is, especially in a year, Andrew, where we've had a lot of really awful stories. Uh, yeah. Really, you know. I mean, we've talked about it, you know, racism, Kyle Beach stuff. It's just been, it, it's been, it feels like it's been endless. And even if the, you know, Price's, you know, media comments were twinged with a bit of sadness because, you know, his, the way his career has unfolded um, and all that, this is still, it's still great to see him still here and still, you know, looking healthy, seemingly, you know, healthier mentally. Um, I think that's that's basically all we can ask. Uh, so it's you know a really heartwarming story for me. Uh, and before we transition out of the Canadians, uh, they also had a very terrible game recently. Um, and which I just, one, Mary? <laughs> I, a lot, Andrew. And I I would feel bad subjecting Price to to you know the misery that is the Montreal Canadiens this year. But are the Canadians, Andrew? Are they the worst modern NHL team? Because it really feels like they're on track to be one of the worst teams in NHL history. Really, really. Yes. Uh, I think it depends on two things. Are we ruling out expansion teams? And what is your definition of modern? Because to me, I would go back to like 1990. Because okay. in like the 70s and 80s, there was so much rapid expansion in the NHL. And there's there was so much few, uh, so fewer or so many, so much less hockey players around the world to bring in compared to now that just like the teams that came in were brutal. Right. And even in the nineties, like the expansion rules were so bad for teams that you had like the sharks and the senators, the first two years of uh, their existence were terrible. Uh, the Atlanta thrashers first year was abysmal, but other than those teams, you do have to go back to 1989 1990 to find one team that was as bad as this Montreal Canadiens team. And that was the Quebec Nordiques. So it's not great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it hasn't I mean, been that, that was, fun to cover. That was before I was alive. So yeah. it can tell you how long it's been. I was born in 93. So it, it has been very long since that we've had a team that bad in my lifetime. I mean, I was thinking of what the avalanche that one year that they were just objectively terrible before they, you know, turned things around and got good with the analytics and whatnot. Um, that's the one I guess I remember the most, though. I don't remember what their record was. Um, I they mean, had the Sabres 22 wins been... that year. So, okay, so... for 13. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, that's bad, Andrew. And it's I feel bad. bad. I feel bad that you have to cover them, but at least it makes for i guess it makes for kind of fun content you you kind of have to you know i don't know you have to lean into it and it feels yeah. like you've leaned into it i've seen the compilations of you starting out the episodes with 
another Canadian's loss. Yes. So. Yes. The, the, the famous line. I do wonder, like, I would love to talk to Joe Sackick because the first three years of his career in Quebec, he scored 23 goals, 39 goals, 48 goals, 62 points, 102 points, 109 points. Incredible start to the, his career. Mm-hmm. The Quebec Nordics finished last, last, and last at the NHL and picked first overall each of those years. So I, I have to wonder, like, mentally, how do you survive? He was that? just the only one. It's even worse than Connor McDavid, really. Like, oh, way he worse. Was, he was just he out, literally out there alone on an island with him and just a team full of, I have no idea, I was not, you know, alive during those years so i don't strange is like that 1989 team 89 90 team had like the later years of three like full-on amazing players Uh, peter statsny michelle goulet and Guy Lafleur, right and like even Guy Lafleur, who was 37 years old had 34 points in 39 games so like offensively like it was the 80s right so like offense was easy to come by but still those guys were were doing stuff. There was something there. It was just defensively. They were <laughs> horrific. Before we move on from the Canadians and Carey Price, who we, I, w- I wish all the best to. Um, when do you think the Canadians will hit double digits and wins? Because they've been sitting at eight. Um, by what point in the year? Because we are now in February. At what point in the year do you think they hit double digits and wins? Is it the trade deadline? Because that is a bit later this year. Is it earlier? Never? Who's to say? So what do you think? Two more, right? I believe so. Uh, and look at their February schedule. It's probably rough considering Canadian teams got hit really hard with the schedule reconfiguration. It's, it's not too bad. Uh, okay. You know, they faced some pretty beatable opponents, but they did also just get rocked by Columbus, who is very beatable. They've got New Jersey next on the 8th, Buffalo twice that month, Ottawa mm. once. I don't know. It'll probably be like the trade deadline. <laughs> like I, it's the, when a team is this bad and has won so few, there's literally no opponent that you're like, Oh yeah, I'm confident that they're going to beat them. Like there's just nothing. When's yeah. their next game against Philly? That's the only one. Oh no. Oh yeah. I mean, cause they did, they did beat Philly. They did <laughs> in a shootout. Yeah. Yeah. But still, I mean, that is the Flyers fans are complaining because I think the Flyers have like the worst shootout record. And they're like, why is it always us? Why is it always us that has something? And it's, you know, the worst record in the shootout. And, you know, of course, they lose to Montreal because that's how the season has gone for them. But all right, we're going to move on from Montreal and Carey Price. um, And we're going to talk about the Oilers who have a little bit, have had a little bit of an upswing um, and has kind of put them back in. Uh, into contention not that they kind of fell out of it but still it was looking dire for the Oilers for a while and they've you know started to swing back up a little bit we'll talk about that coming up right after this this episode is brought to you by rock auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. 
quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, Andrew. So, like I said before the break, the Edmonton Oilers have a little bit of have had a little bit of an upswing when it's a four straight and they are at least as of Monday two points out of a wild card spot from what I saw. Um we just want to kind of finish off the hockey talk of this episode with something we've been following for a bit which is the slow and steady uh, maybe not even slow but the complete spiral of the Edmonton Oilers um and this isn't necessarily related to their acquisition of Evander Kane who has only played one game and scored a goal in his you know, return to play. Yeah. This season. Uh, So we're not going to talk about him because they have played three other games without him. And we made our feelings known on Evander Kane. Um, So yeah, the Oilers are kind of back in it. They still got to make moves though, Andrew. They absolutely have to. They can't like, they only added Evander Kane, but that's not going to solve their issues. Right. Yeah. They, they need to get a goalie. I think that's the main thing. Uh, The, this was always going to turn around for Edmonton. Like, if you even if you look at how much their expected goals differential has dropped off like over the last quarter of the season we'll say they're still in a very respectable position uh even without Kane things were trending the right way they just couldn't get the shooting down the goaltenders weren't making saves they still need to fix the goaltending. I, I don't believe it's good enough with uh, Stuart Skinner or no. Mike Smith or Miko Koskinen, whoever ends up taking that starting role. I'm guessing it'll be Smith if he can stay healthy, but even even then, like he's just not trustworthy. Uh, but overall, like things were happening in the right direction. Connor McDavid is still like a little bit snake bitten, but like Connor McDavid being snake bitten means he's only a point per game. You know what I mean? like, it's like, oh man, he's really struggling lately. He's only got like five points in six games. And it's like every other go- player in the NHL will be like, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But uh, dry cycle is absolutely ripping it up. So I-, I think they're like two steps away from being right back in the playoff picture here. And that is essentially McDavid getting hot and the goaltending figuring it out. I, I just can't see how they can go into the playoffs oh, in no. the situation that they're in. They can't. They can't. And if they, Ken they Holland can. does that, he needs to be fired immediately. Oh, yeah. I was about to say, because like there, there's no way they can look at this roster and be like, ah, oh, yes, we added Evander Kane. But can Evander play, Kane play uh, goaltender? No, he can't. Uh, and that is their number one with a bullet uh, need at the deadline. Uh, and I mean, they've got a bit of time to go. The deadline is at the end of March, I believe. Like It's late March. So there's still a whole bunch of time before the trade deadline. Uh, but I think I've mentioned it before. I think it behooves them to make a move sooner rather than later um, because they saw what a couple weeks span did to their playoff chances. Um, and they are right back in it, but they're going to be basically competing with Calgary. Uh, which is seems, the best. I know which seems for that last wild card spot, or at least the West is more up in the air, but as it stands now, it seems as if they're going to be competing with Calgary for that wild card spot. And boy, is that really exciting. I have no idea if there's 
any games there's probably games left between them i'm filling time in the hopes that you are looking at the schedule as we speak uh but i would hope that there are i would hope that there are games between them to end the season um maybe like like in the last week that seems like something the nhl schedule would do is you know schedule a whole bunch of rivalry games uh in anticipation of you know a really wacky end to the season uh but it's gonna be fun and like I mentioned that the East is basically all but wrapped up uh, because of the the way some teams fell off and the games played margin between them is all funky because of the COVID. Um, the West is going to be really interesting to watch. There's at least going to be some drama there. The East has its interesting stuff with, you know, the way the, the Atlantic is going to shake out with which team gets unlucky uh, and gets stuck in the second and third spots and has to face each other because, you know, the murderer's row of, you know, Florida, uh, Tampa and Toronto uh, is going to be an absolute mess. Yeah, it's um, really crazy. Yeah. And uh, we definitely the initials playoff uh, format is terrible. I hate the, the way they do it. Just make it one one verse eight and call it a do day. one versus 16 make it really interesting although Ooh. i feel like the travel would be crazy for that they would never do it so yeah. there are two more games left in the battle of alberta between florida or not sorry florida I'm stuck <laughs> in like the idea i was thinking of like if vancouver faced florida in the first round just like the travel uh, would be insane oh yeah uh, edmonton and calgary face each other two more times unfortunately the schedule makers were not smart enough to make those like the last two games of the season Man. which would have been incredibly yeah, compelling they're both in march and they have a full another month after oh. the last game because uh, the oilers are playing up until the 29th so their last two games are against the sharks and the canucks well the sharks are right in it and so, so are the, the, canucks. So are the canucks yeah so like that, there is it least... could still be compelling yeah. i will say i i gotta say that this is a very hot take and I might get some American listeners mad at me, but I think both Calgary and Edmonton are going to make the playoffs over one of Los Angeles and Anaheim. I mean, I think one of those two I don't teams. Think you're, I think, I think you're right in that regard. I, I was high on uh, the Kings, especially, um, but I don't know if they've got, you know, it, it, I'm happy that they're you know competing well, uh, but this isn't their time. I think they've still got a little bit, a few more, like another year or so left in the, you know, the crockpot to marinate. That's a really bad metaphor, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean. That like I, I was, mean at least I was, make, make that with the ducks, so it's like a cooking metaphor. That's right? fair. All right, you know what? Fine, but uh, my point still stands here. I think that that's. I think that I don't think that that's a hot take at all. I think that that's a very valid take. Um, to make because I don't think many people expected um, both of them to be you know in playoff positions and in the top three in the Pacific at all uh, basically as February rolls around which is basically the halfway point of the season um, so the West has a lot more interesting and compelling matchups because what you said Sharks and Vancouver at the end of the season that is yeah. they're right there too I mean I don't know if the Sharks will continue to I feel like of all the teams the Sharks might be the one to uh plummet the most but I just I'm yeah, not really I mean the Pacific Division is definitely the most compelling division going down mm -hmm. to the end of the season I think like even the Central is not as solidified as the West or as the East but it's close like there's a nine point gap between St. Louis and Dallas and Dallas has two games in hand, but like 
that yeah nine points is a lot and above that it's like minnesota has 57 points already and four games in hand on st louis so like there's not a lot of room to move around there and colorado's not being caught by anyone they're nine points up on the on the predators with two games in hand so like that division is pretty much their stride and colorado is hitting their stride right now. colorado's so scary and they're going to i they're going to do whatever they can to add to the trade deadline i mean claude drew has been connected to them i don't know how it would work how they would make that work but they are going i think they're going to add big time at the deadline or at least do their do their hardest to try and add somebody big to push them over because they kind of they they see an opportunity here. At least they have to. The West is at least theirs for the taking, it feels like. I mean, Vegas hasn't been as strong as um, they have been in years past. I mean, I'm looking at it now. Colorado enters at least Monday with a 10-game winning streak. Like, they are hitting their stride right NHL now. NHL record best January in NHL history Jeez, for, yeah. for Colorado. And also, I believe they have won 18 straight games at home. Oh. Yeah, like, the, the can you West, imagine being an Avalanche fan right now? That'd be so sick. I know the West is gonna run through Colorado. I'm like, I mean, that was I think a lot of people's predictions. It might have been mine. I'm not sure. I don't. I honestly don't remember. But the West is gonna run through Colorado at this point. At least that's what it feels like. There is, they're not gonna continue winning games like this. They're they will win. They will lose a few games, but they are really hot at a good time. They're making, um, they're keeping their lead and they're increasing it. Uh, in the West, which is, I think, all you can ask for, like we talked about the Rangers um, earlier in the show. But Colorado's going to be an absolute force to be reckoned with. But there's so much more interesting storylines out in the West because the East is all wrapped up. I mean, you've got... We started this uh, segment talking about the Oilers, and now we've, you know, transitioned to Colorado. But there's just there's so much in the West, and it's going to be fun to watch them. Uh, through the rest of the season because it is pretty chaotic and I'm looking forward to seeing you know where things go from here I mean I think the West is going to be also a big player at the deadline too I mean we talked about the Oilers we talked about you know Colorado and stuff like that and I mean Nashville's a big surprise for me I was I don't think anybody was expecting them to be second in the central so there's there's a lot of really interesting players out there in the West, but I think that's going to wrap up the hockey talk. But coming up after this, we're going to talk pop culture. Um, I have no idea what Andrew's going to bring to the table, but I'm really excited to talk about a movie ass all over the weekend uh, with my friends. And we will talk about that coming up right after this. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bilt Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Built Bars, however, are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Bilt Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. 
Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious built bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almonds, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new and limited time flavors, so check out Built.com to see what's new. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Andrew. So we're going to finish off uh, today's show with some pop culture talk. And uh, I have two things written down the doc. First, I'll get to um, is uh, I mentioned it on the last show, which is The Legend of Vox Machina, the animated series of an adaptation of the first campaign of Critical Role came out uh, last Friday and it's awesome. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the season. They're releasing the episodes in like three episode chunks. So they will be there's 12 episodes total in the first season. So you got three more weeks of episodes and I'm really looking forward to it. It's been really great to, you know, go back to my roots with Critical Role, basically, because uh, I, like I said, I started that show years and years ago. So it's been really awesome to go back uh, through it um, and see a lot of things animated. It's just, it's been really great. I highly recommend it. It's a really nice jumping off point, uh, but definitely not for kids. Um, second though, uh, is my friends and I have been watching movies uh, online together um, more often. We used to kind of do movie nights pre-pandemic, pre-me moving away to Chicago. So this was like a while back. And then the pandemic happened. I moved, I, I moved away. The pandemic happened. We stopped doing it. But now we are trying to do like watch more movies together uh, and hang out virtually. Uh, and so we put together a giant list of movies uh, and we've been spinning the wheel on them um, to, you know, see which one we're going to watch for the week. And this last weekend's was Knives Out, which I had never seen before. I knew a little bit of, uh, but I was blown away with how it was really good, Andrew. Like, I, I knew it was really good and I knew people praised this movie so highly and it lived up to it and more. It was just a fantastic journey it did not go where i was expecting it to go daniel craig's southern accent threw me off but then by like the middle i was like all the way in on it i'm so excited for apparently there's going to be a sequel with him in it i'm really looking forward to it it was just an awesome film andrew did you see this when it came out because apparently it came out right before the pandemic and my one friend had seen it and said that was the last film she saw in theaters before the pandemic so when did you see it andrew i didn't see it Right when it came out, I was definitely uh, like a little bit later to it because I saw a bunch of like really positive reviews and I was like, yeah, maybe like a murder mystery. <laughs> I've seen enough of those movies, you know, and I saw what I watched, like uh, Murder on the Orient Express. And the- yeah, I watched I that. Like, though. It was fine, but I didn't yeah. love it. And I was like, eh. so I-, I eventually got to it and it is so good. It's just such an enjoyable movie from start mm-hmm. to finish. And I feel like the cast is so incredible. It's so star-studded. But it's that kind of star-studded cast where everyone in it is so good that you're not thinking about who they are. Mm -hmm. Like Oftentimes, when you have a really great cast of a lot of really established actors, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's that actor. But the whole time, you're not actually thinking that. Maybe like a little bit with Daniel Craig where the accent is so out there. 
The only but point you where forget about it quickly. I thought of it is it's just Chris, it's Chris Evans in a comfy sweater. It's just Chris yes. Evans in a comfy sweater. That's it. That, that's all my friends. We were all like, it's Chris Evans in a comfy sweater. We just we don't know who this dude is. It's just it's Chris Evans in a comfy sweater. So but he's so delightful in it. He is. Yeah. It was. It's a really great film. I don't want to spoil. I think it's good that if you go into this movie not knowing anything other than murder mystery um because there's so much in this film that turns things on its head it i it almost reminded me of there gets to be a point where things ramp up in intensity it goes from like zero to a hundred so fast at a certain point it reminded me of parasite because parasite also did that if you've seen the show or the, not the show the movie if you've seen the movie there is at a certain point where things flip from zero to 100 and it just you know it takes off and there's a wild ride to the end and i felt very similar though this was like wild at the outset they did things and i was like this is not where i was expecting it to go so just incredible all the praise for that movie what an awesome film i'm mad i didn't see it before but i'm glad i got to experience it with my friends and all of us yelling over discord and being like and you know trying to guess things and it was it was a lot of fun uh, so I'll probably have more movies to talk about uh, in the future because we're hopefully going to be doing those every week, though, I'm, though I am missing this upcoming weeks because of the Olympics and sports and stuff. Uh, they're watching Young Frankenstein, not the musical, the Mel Brooks movie, not the musical. My touchstone was the musical. And they're like, why did you go to the musical? I'm like, guys, that's what I'm known for. I do musicals. Uh, but. <laughs> What did you bring to the pop culture table today, Andrew? Well, as I mentioned, I didn't have much time to watch things this weekend. Uh, every week we watch Book of Boba Fett with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law because uh, that's like our one thing. We're there in Alberta. We're in Quebec here, and we kind of just press play at the same time and chat during it. Mm. And uh, so that's enjoyable. But I think we talked about that last yes. episode and how – mando is in it now mm -hmm. yeah well because i was like i need to yeah i needed to know it's been nearly a week yeah have you have you caught up no i haven't oh, but i Mary. i'm sorry <laughs> i at least watched something else so yeah, yeah okay. at least i at least cultured myself with something else uh but is there anything else you want to talk about before we head out for the day or is that all you've got andrew that's pretty much all i've got i uh started looking into some of the stuff of, of the upcoming Batman movie and their viral marketing. That's kind of fun. That movie's like going to be long. Yeah. It's almost three hours long. Yeah. I find it interesting. It seems like they're kind of playing a bit of a trick in, which is fun because it's the Riddler in the trailers. <laughs> it, it's portraying it as like very dark and gritty and almost like a, a uber violent movie. And there's probably going to be some to that. But then you hear people talking about it who worked on it. And it's very much a detective movie. So I'm I'm hoping that we're not just going to get a three hour long Zack Snyder uber violent Batman. I'd like to see some more layers to Batman because it, it seems like ever since the Dark Knight Returns came out in comics and like this thing is like 1986. It seems like everyone is obsessed with this hyper violent Batman. And that's not really you know, that representative of Batman from the comics, Batman is very pragmatic and obsessed with like pre preparation and detective work and inventions. And there's a lot more to him than what we've seen in movies. So like, if you're going to keep on rebooting Batman, give us a different Batman. And I'm yeah. hoping that Robert Pattinson can give us something interesting because frankly, that man 
made his Twilight money, and then was like, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. Good for him. A hundred percent. Him and Daniel Radcliffe with Harry Potter as well. Exactly. They've made some incredible movies, and Robert Pattinson is a hell of an underrated actor. Mm -hmm. Like, if they give him good material, he has the possibility to be, like, the definitive Batman. As much as I hate the cowl that they gave him, I absolutely hate it. It's like a throwback to the 60s Adam West series. And it just looks moronic to me, but whatever. I'll accept it if they give us a good story, a good character of Batman. I feel like you can maybe add Elijah Wood to that list who did his Lord of the Rings stuff. And then, yes, I feel like he went on to do like a BBC America show or something. I don't know. I Dirk don't know. Gently. His... Yeah, it was that. Yeah. So, you know, good on you for your fantasy actors and doing their big high profile movies than dipping to do some weird wacky nonsense good for you because 100 uh you know at that point you can do whatever you want and robert pattinson is the reason why i'm interested in that film not not just because of him but like whatever they're doing with that film it seems more interesting than the previous batman the takes on batman and i hope that it's true that there's more um, mystery involved in it because um and you know detective work because uh after watching knives out that's all i want to do is you know read a read some mystery novels watch some mystery movies uh what a good film that was but i think we're gonna end it there uh and that's all we have for you today on the cross check nhl show it's part of the lockdown podcast network make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice from apple to odyssey to spotify and youtube and re- review us while you're at it you can follow the pod at Crosscheck NHL on Twitter, me at Mary C. Clark on Twitter, and Andrew at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. We'll be back on Friday with some more puck talk, but now make your second listen Locked on Bets. Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling.